So good evening. I had a simple quote from Kabir floating through my mind during the sitting tonight. Thought I'd just share what was on my mind. And it is the quote that he says, Oh, how I laugh when I hear that the fish in the water is thirsty. You don't understand that what is most alive lives inside your own house. And so you wander from one holy city to the next with a confused look. Oh, how I laugh when I hear that the fish in the water is thirsty. You don't understand that what's most alive lives inside your own house. So I, I know that the, the deepest human desire is for happiness, and that's what unites all of us. And I was thinking that the Buddha's notion of happiness, he said the highest happiness is peace. So you could say that we all long for peace. And this is, the, this is what moves inside of you and moves inside of me, this, this longing. And yet, we don't realize that the, what, what we seek lives inside our own house. And so we often are wandering from one holy city to the next with a confused look. So the one holy city to the next is all the places that we go to seek peace. And I thought it was very synchronistic tonight that um, Tara announced the, what's it called, eco-sattva training. Uh, Because part of the effect of continually going from one holy city to the next with a confused look is that we don't realize that the eco-training, the training of, of the um, eco-sattva, the one who cares about the earth, uh, is born by um, not going out of our house in search. Because each time we sit, we think of going to, uh, we think of going to the forest to connect with nature, to the beach, uh, to the mountains, to the desert. But in fact, the source of uh, our eco-training is really our own body. When we continually go away to find peace, to get back to nature, we often leave out one thing. We often leave out the fact 
that we are not just part of nature, part of the earth, that we are earth. We are completely, utterly inseparable for the very thing that we're longing to get back to. Oh, how I laugh when I hear that the fish in the water is thirsty. When you feel your bones, the stiffness, the, the hardness, the heaviness, the skeletal structure, you are experiencing earth. It's not back to earth. When you experience the sense of cohesion, the way your body holds together, the moisture as it exists in your body, the sense of uh, fact that this, uh, that the element, you know, the skin that has any kind of cohesion to it, any kind of suppleness, is the function of the water element, water, part of the earth. The vibration that you experience, the gas, the, the, the air, the winds moving through your body, this is the air element. The temperature you experience, the heat, the cool, it's the, it's the fire element. The capacity to, of exertion comes from fire. Even to arouse the interest to have awakened awareness, this is... This comes from the fire element. So when we connect with the earth, know that not, that not we're just part of the earth or we float on top of the earth, we are the earth. We do that out of that. I was talking to a friend about this. We, as the earth, as the earth, not as somebody who just lives on earth, we just naturally care. We connect. We are connected. Isn't that, isn't that deepest longing in us to connect? Isn't that what we hope at the end of the rainbow? That which will give us peace is that feeling of deep union, that deep connection. But yet, that connection lives inside our own house. Oh, how I laugh when I hear that the fish in the water is thirsty. <clears throat> so out of that connection with earth, I realize that if the waters are toxic, I don't function very well. If the earth is being destroyed, I'm destroyed. If the if the fires are burning everywhere and there's not a balance of cool and warmth, I'm burning. And so that doesn't, that doesn't make me angry. It makes me cry. It makes me care. So I become not from necessarily thinking about the world. That's a wonderful thing to do. But by realizing I am the earth. That that I become an eco-sattva instead of just a, what often happens, an angry activist. <laughs> Somebody thinks that's funny. 
So I find it interesting that tonight when I opened my folder, I, I found the, um, the recent message from the Hopi elders. And it's interesting that when, often when I read this, I skip over this one part that seems so essential tonight. <laughs> because I'm seeing it, reading it differently. But here's what it says. You've been telling the people that this is the 11th hour. Now you must go back and tell the people that this is the hour. And there are things to be considered. Where are you living? What are you, re- what are you doing? What are your relations? Are you in right relation? Now I often skip over this next section. Where is your water? Know your garden. It is time to speak your truth. Create your community. Be good to each other. And do not look outside yourself for the leader. This could be a good time. I'll keep reading since you may not have heard this before. There's a river flowing now very fast. It is so great and swift and there are those who will be afraid. They will try to hold on to the shore. They will feel they are being torn apart and they will suffer greatly. Know the river has its destination. The elders say that we must let go of the shore, push into the middle of the river, keep our eyes open, and our heads above the water. See who is in there with you and celebrate. At this time in history, we are to take nothing personally, least of all ourselves. For the moment that we do, our spiritual growth and journey come to a halt. The time of the lone wolf is over. Gather yourselves. Banish the word struggle from your attitude and your vocabulary. All that we do now must be done in in a sacred manner. And in celebration, we are the ones we've been waiting for. This is from the elders of the Hopi Nation from Oriba, Oribe, Arizona. So I, I really appreciate that uh, comment. No, are you in right relation? Where is your water? Know your garden. This is reason enough for us to um, to care about this earth and to do all that we can because this is uh, this is our garden and these waters that live in us that live inside of you and live inside of me they they are the earth and we have to care for it. So all this is a way of saying the, the, um, the peace that each of us seeks is, um, is, near, is at hand, it's near. Even though people search for truth afar. As Hakuin Zenji says, like, like a child of the, a, a wealth, a child of a wealthy home wandering among the the impoverished, like a, uh, like a fish who's in, in the water that's thirsty. But our confusion, reason that we don't know this peace, even meditators, is because even as meditators, we try too hard. We try to go to peace. We try to get peace. We try to make peace. 
We try to produce a quiet mind, to, to banish our defilements, to get rid of things. And the very effort to make something happen is in some way like going to try to be, going somewhere to try to find, um, to satisfy our thirst. When the fish is already immersed in the very thing that it's searching for. So the Buddha was very clear that, that our missing this natural great peace is not, um, it's not because we're bad people, it's because of one thing. We call it, uh, he called it avijja or ignorance. Ignorance of where peace is to be found. And then because of that ignorance, because of the lack of clear perception of what actually brings peace alive again in our lives, we end up wandering from one holy city to the next with a confused look. End up looking for love, for peace, for happiness in all the wrong places. And of course, you've heard over and over here and anywhere you ever hear teachings that the first place we tend to look is not in the elements of earth, air, fire, water. The first place that we look is to external objects, to sights, to sounds, to smells, to tastes, to to the feelings that we get when we acquire experiences. When I get what I want, when I'm able to get rid of what I don't want. So my sense of peace is often conditional. It's conditional on having, getting what I want and keeping away what I don't want. And that kind of conditional Happiness may, as we all know, give us a lot of moments of peace, a lot of moments of pleasure. There is no doubt, I've had a summer where I went to beautiful places, had a lot of pleasure. But if I thought that those moments of pleasure were going to um, bring me lasting peace, I would, fall, I would have fallen into a kind of delusion. Buddha basically said that there's three things we need to know about the, the world of pleasures. We need to know their pleasure. Without some pleasure, without some, the gladness that comes from feeling pleasure, we, we can't function in our life. But he also said there's a big danger in associating our happiness and peace with with the pleasures of the senses because they don't last very long and they leave in their wake a feeling of loss. And, and that loss, because we don't like to feel that sense of absence, is often filled by the search for another pleasurable feeling. And consequently, we literally are taught to live our life on an endless gerbil wheel of looking for the next pleasure. And consequently, so much of our mental universe, 
So much of the way I organize or we organize our whole identity is being someone who is in pursuit of something. And we bring that same thing to our meditation practice. I'm in pursuit of peace. And then we try excessively hard and then we fail because we didn't get our mind to shut down. Didn't get our, we, didn't, we still act like idiots in our life from time to time. Still have pain in our bodies. So we've missed the point. The point is arrived at in the immediate moment and the point is arrived at with wisdom about the nature of things. So as Hafez says about the about, and I've read this many times, as Hafez says about the, the world of ordinarily sense pleasures, he says, learn to recognize the counterfeit coins that may buy you just a moment of pleasure, but then drag you for days like a broken man behind a farting camel. <laughs> but he says that after reminding people in his poem, he says, you are with the, you're with the friend now. Which means you don't need to leave home. You have within you everything you need to have peace. In fact, peace is your natural state. So just notice what happens after, just for a moment, when you have awakened awareness when your awareness is awake to what's happening right here, right now, and you've let your last idea of where your happiness is to be found fade into the past and before the next idea comes about where you will find peace. And you just have awareness of how things are right this moment. And just ask yourself, is, is there peace here? If I'm not looking back, not looking ahead. Even if I'm experiencing something unpleasant. If I'm not reacting, trying to get somewhere, trying to make something happen. See, there's really no path to this. The path of our practice is removing the confusion that keeps us buying into the counterfeit coins. So most people, if we're willing to, to just let the, just be simply aware, may underestimate the power of, the liberating power of being simply aware just having awakened awareness to how things are in any moment. But if we were honest with ourselves, in that moment of being aware, in that little space between our last drama, story about ourselves, all about me, after the last one has stopped and before the next one arises, we're just awake to the simple reality of the present moment, knowing that reality only is, I mean, even in the middle of our workday, reality still is only six experiences. Even in the most, what seems like situationally the most stressful thing, there really is still just six things happening. 
They're seeing, hearing, smelling, tasting, sensation, thinking. Life's very simple in the immediate. But if you notice that, more often than not, people will say, there's peace here, right in the middle of it all, wherever I am. In fact, if I wake up to where I am, mostly if I'm not, if I'm not caught up in a, my internal drama, there's this palpable sense of silence. I just felt the kind of room fill with it just now. And all we did was maybe turn to it. Say, oh, this is always here. Even with the noise outside, it doesn't interrupt that inner silence. Silence that is the, you could say it's the, it's the sound of awake awareness, aware presence. The sound of awareness is silent. So notice as you walk, as you feel your back on the chair, tush on the cush, hear the sounds. Notice what, what is hearing and what's, what's noticing all that. Silence. Without that silence, nothing would be known. Silence mixed with awareness. So how far do we have to travel for, for that peace? That silence. Well, you can say, well, I had to come on Tuesday night. That's too cute. So the Buddha experimented with these things and said, oh, yeah, there's a lot of little temporary peace that comes from from enjoying things, solitude, going to the beach, going on vacations, all that beautiful things that remind you that there's so much beauty and pleasure in this world in the midst of all the difficulties. But there but this isn't really this isn't what he called the sure heart's release. This isn't real freedom. This is the the happiness that's associated with Pleasures is the happiness of dependency. It's the happiness that depends on the conditions being the way you want them to be. This is kind of like bondage. So enjoy the world. Enjoy the pleasures of the world. But kiss them and let them go. Like William Blake. you know, Kiss the joys as they fly and live in eternity sunrise. In order to do that, you have to know that there's something, something that is um, more precious. It's just like if I don't, the Buddha, when he was, his dad wanted him to be the, the big landowner, the big, you know, head of the, the lands, the, the community, the, kind of like the king. He said, if I don't have peace in my heart, to go into your business, Dad, would be like sitting on a bed of coals. If you don't have peace, 
You can go on the best vacation in the world and not peace, that the peace that we have within us is so precious. Nothing can touch it. No experience can touch it. So to know that, we have to hover a little bit. We have to spend a little time getting to know this peace. And the way we do that in our practice, since we are so trained to mistake our happiness, you know, to buy the counterfeit coins, because we're so habituated to running from the earth as it exists in us, running from silence, that we need to stop. We need to stop, bring that scattered attention into, back to the earth, feel the air, feel the fire, feel the water,